Welcome to the final episode of The People's Project. That sounded scary. It's only the final episode for the season. Seven episodes per season. That's normal in UK TV. No, I don't like it. What, I you want, don't you like want 30 it. episodes? 24. 24. And it's the last episode before Christmas 2020. What a great year it has been. Uh, Josh, I wanted to discuss as a way of introduction the term pork barreling. Uh, is this related to food? Yes. Okay. So you know, you know how uh, you know how politicians hand out money. Yeah, yeah. Before an election, we call it pork barreling. Yep. So they're trying to get your vote. I was at the butcher because we had a spit roast together mm. a couple of weeks ago. We did the whole pig. The most delicious part of the pig, I thought, was the middle bit. The middle bit. That's very technical. I'm not You've sure. You've obviously done anatomy and physiology of pigs. I'm not sure if I served you any of that middle bit, but it's gooey where the belly and the ribs and all oh, that is. Oh, yes, 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 yes. It's, it's really rich meat. And it made me realize, so I went to the butcher and I said, that pig was great, but all I really want is that middle bit. What do you call that middle bit? And he says, oh, that's the barrel. Oh, really? I said, really? The pig barrel? No, he says, no, he said, no, no, the pork barrel. Pork barrel. I mean, when they say your pork barreling is a poly, I thought, what does that mean? Maybe it means the richest part of the pig. This reminds me of Homer Simpson. <laughs> what? With his uh, pork rinds. I don't recall. I think that's what it is. Anyway, that's my contribution to the intro to the show. I can't believe you haven't mentioned chocolate. Who's your buddy? <laughs> you've been mentioning chocolate for the last couple of weeks, and I brought this finally, and now you've finished the intro. Are we gonna no eat it? chocolate. Are we going to eat it on the show? What what is oh fa la 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 okay I see no chocolate o'clock o'clock doesn't start for me until the twenty fifth of December so you can have it back I reject your gift see Indian giver what's an that's Indian? not racial what's okay? an Indian giver Indian giver is when you give something but then you take it back haven't you ever heard that phrase no maybe that... it's because of its racial origins yeah they so don't many... use it anymore so I'm sorry for anyone who's Indian descent. Are we supposed to eat that now? No, we're not eating it all. You've ruined it. Okay, all right. So first of all, let's get to the real news. Uh, we have Ken Phillips, who I interviewed a little while ago about the WorkSafe investigation that he triggered, was trying to trigger. And uh, this is the first live interview we've done all season. Your first live interview here. Yes, it was good. Yeah. He, I he, just listened. He just listened. He, um, he was pretty cool. He just walked out the door. Ken, it's a pleasure to have you here on The People's Project. Uh, I interviewed you a couple of months ago when yep. we were talking about the OHS Act here in Victoria and that you were trying to get them to do an investigation uh, or bring prosecution in, in absence of that. Can you give us an update on where we are up to with that and what is um, the likely outcome? going to? I think it's around about now in December. The 29th of December is yep. the trigger. So uh, the provisions under that that we were able to, to trigger um, uh, said that any member of the public can turn around and say to WorkSafe, we want you to prosecute. Mm. So we've triggered those provisions. Obviously, I've got OHS lawyers advising me every step of the way. So we've just done what any normal person is able to do. But we're doing with, a, I think, I hope, uh, a high degree of intelligence, strategy and research and knowledge behind the whole uh, thing. So there are two triggers that are coming in. The reason that we're relaunching a fair bit of stuff tomorrow uh, is because the Kate Inquiry report comes out mm. on Monday. 21st, yeah. yeah. And uh, so that's a, a key trigger point. The other thing is that on the 29th of December, they are required, this is WorkSafe, is required under the Act to reply to us to tell us what they're doing. Mm. So what we're in the business of saying is, well, look, we're not going to wait for them to say to us, look, here's a wet lettuce reply. Yeah, we'll sort of, you know, just muck around with the whole thing. We're going to sort of, in the business of putting pressure on, 
and assisting them in their work and to yeah. ensure that we get a prosecution, that we get a proper prosecution. Okay. So when does this, the timeline in December where they have to come back and say whether they're going to do a WorkSafe investigation or not, has that passed? Uh, no, not an investigation. Um, our, our, the power under the Act that we've triggered is a request for prosecution. Right. Have they given you an answer? They've acknowledged that they've received our letter. Yeah. Mm. So by the 29th, they've got to come back to us. Now, they're able under the Act to come back and say we need more time, and they can do that three times, but after nine months... Uh, they have to do something one way or the other. Now, if they don't prosecute, we're able to then go to the um, uh, DPP, the Department of Prosecutions, and ask them to conduct a prosecution. Okay, and, and the goal of all of this, of course, is to hold the Andrews government to account for the failures in hotel quarantine. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Duty of care, should have provided a safe work environment, people died. All so, those things. Okay, right. Shall we talk about the... Um the, the campaign. Yeah. I'm yeah. quite excited about it. How much can you tell us? Because I've seen one of the videos. Yeah. Super secret or can you? Well, that's out in the public domain. Yeah. And that's around and people should look for Never Doubt Dan. Never Doubt Dan. Yes. Put in into YouTube Never Doubt Dan or Google. You, yeah. I just showed you. Yeah. You, <laughs> what do you think good. of the video? I really liked it. I thought it was good, but, you know... I want to hear you talk about it first, and then maybe I'll... Well, uh, I'm not going to talk about that, Ed, because it, oh. just, it, it just says what it says. And Go and watch have it. Have a look. Go and watch it. Have a look. Most Victorians are now safe. Most Victorians are now healthy. All Victorians should now be grateful. Leadership is a deep and heavy responsibility. The hotel quarantine outbreak did regrettably cost 800 lives, but Daniel Andrews saved the rest of Victoria from this outbreak. He saved thousands more lives than were lost. That's all you need to remember. After what Dan has done, why be disloyal? It's time to move on, Victoria. Well, I really like it because everything about it seems legit and authentic, but there's a tongue-in-cheekness to it that you could easily miss. Easily. Well, look, let, let's look at what Dan has done, or let, let's rephrase it, his propaganda machine. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm now dealing as a consequence of saying what we're doing. I've had extraordinary number of people come to me, really, really crackerjack people, mm -hmm. like yourselves, of course. <laughs> and uh, Or the people who made this ad for you. This is a top ad company. These are highly, highly professional mm. people. So I've got, there's been a, a team that's come together which has been people who didn't even know each other before, mm. and there's been a synergy that's really mm. fallen into place around the view that we can't afford to keep having this government. Mm. The reason for that is that this is an unsafe government. Uh, now, what the messaging from the propaganda machine has been, which the experts have, have looked deeply at this and say, look, they reckon that there's been somewhere between 30 and 40 million spent on social media and associated really? advertising the mm. last six months. In six months? So during lockdown? During the whole lockdown. No wonder people are so on board with Dan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I actually, I've got, I have people feeding me information from within the government. And uh, um, uh, they have been, people who have had to administer the lockdown and so on and so forth. And they've told me that they've had numerous instances where they've been told, look, we need to do X and X. And the response from within the government has been, well, our social media is telling us this. Mm. You're not to release that information yet because we've got to do Y. Right? So the whole thing has been driven by 
social media. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so their messaging has been, look, Dan's been a really tough, yep. hard yep. daddy, yep. right? He's made us all behave. Good bloke. But he's kept us safe. Kept us safe. Right? You might not have liked being locked into your bed inside your bedroom, mm. but you've been kept safe. Yeah. And that's a perfectly sensible message for people to pick up and believe mm. because mm. people, lots of people didn't die. Mm. Right? We hope. And, but 800 people did die. Mm. So the reality is here that what we have to focus on is, yes, it's quite correct. Like, I'm a believer. I think the lockdown was completely necessary. Mm. Every day that there was a lockdown was a demonstration and, and, and a proof that Dan Andrews and his government had failed totally mm-hmm. and they put, had to put us in lockdown to stop the disease spreading. Mm-hmm. So I actually believe that that was the correct thing to do. Right. But the failure was the... Was in the, the hotel quarantine. Yeah, yeah. Now, the evidence that... And that means if this had happened with a private company... Hmm there would have been prosecutions on the, on the foot at Absolutely. the moment. There's yeah. no question of that mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. So what we're looking at is a situation, one, one rule for the rulers mm-hmm. and another rule for those who are ruled. Yep. Yeah? And it's that we cannot accept as a society. Absolutely. So what we're doing is putting a very practical strategy in place to try and make sure that the, everyone operates under the same rule of law. Mm and that no one is exempt from that. So that's the focus. It's a very straightforward focus. There's but you're nothing. doing it in a very cultural way. You're not just bringing lawsuits, although you're doing, you're doing the legal thing. You're going after this, you're using the same techniques that he uses. Like you're going culturally, social media, ads, animations, cartoons. Well, that's what campaigning's about. Yeah. And they are exceedingly professional campaigners yeah. and very successful at it. And uh, the entire union movement's behind this, so they're pumping the thing as well. Behind from, what you're doing? Oh, no, no, no behind, behind Dan's, behind yeah, yeah, the Dan, yeah. because all the, all the connections that yeah. play there. Yeah. And what we're confronted with is what I refer to as the new establishment in Victoria. Mm-hmm. This is the way Victoria is run. It's mm-hmm. run for the insiders, mm-hmm. and the rest of us can go jump, mm-hmm. right? And that's demonstrated by virtue of the fact that all small business, self-employed people are the people who took, or took everything on the chin mm-hmm. And the people who are collapsing in this environment, whereas all the public servants got a 2% pay rise. Yeah, Yeah, I had an interesting call with my brother earlier in the week and he was saying that he he grew up in a period where you always hear about job losses when it's Campbell Newman cutting public service or whatever. And the thing he's noticed about this last six months of Victoria is we've had so many small businesses go to the wall and we don't. This doesn't get a run in the media. And we haven't yet seen the the new wave of wait, losses. Look, wait, yeah. wait till we see the crashes happen after JobKeeper runs out. Yes. Yeah. And the banks. I was talking to a restaurateur the other day. Who said that the bank has turned around to her and said, "Right, come March, you're going to have to start repaying the interest, and we expect you to pay the interest that we have um, put on hold." During the whole lockdown, that's what people don't realise. This this hol- bank holiday for the loans and mortgages uh, is actually not even interest free. They're, no. they're actually worse off having mm. taken these holidays. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, we digress. Yeah. Well, Ken, I want to ask you about the social media phenomenon mm. quickly. 
Because the narrative is that Dan Andrews is quite popular, polls are 70% approval and so on. But you've just said something very interesting about what 30, 30 to $40 million on social media spend. The, the, the estimate that was given to me that Roughly. they believe, the professionals, sure. between 30 and 50. Sure. So, and you're a bit more in touch with those who I guess are not on social media, small businesses don't mm. have time to float no. around like we do no. on social media. Do you think these polls are, are wildly inaccurate? No. Or they Spot are? on. They think people think he's wonderful. Okay, because he kept us safe. Yes, but when you say social media, uh, he spent money to convince the population that way. Surely not everyone listens to social media. Well, there, I think a lot of people. Apparently, do. they do. Apparently, even the Greek restaurant owners and, and whatever else. This this, this is, is this is really now. You know, the whole media landscape's changed completely. Right. And free-to-air media is going out of business quite yes. rapidly. And the, the, the likes of what you do, you, you, you guys are a threat to the standard media mm. because you're putting your own time and bucks into doing what you believe, you know, this is, this is competition. So you're as much part of the social media disaster for the, <laughs> great, great. For the, for the general media as anyone else. When mm. I've been investigating the history of kind of where we are mm. now, I've noticed that um, marketing has been employed to an excessive degree in politics. And looking at the way social media operates, it is a marketing juggernaut. Mm. The thing is, because I've done, we did the uh, uh, put labour last the council campaign yes, and so yes. forth, and I've and I've been I've been a campaigner for twenty years, mm. right? And and the social media thing has just continued to grow during that period of time, which has meant we've had to change and understand. And the thing is that you can put a uh, a, a post up on Facebook and boost it with fifty bucks, mm. and the the hit and the reach that you get on that is huge, and you know that you're getting it because it's not only, they say, well, look, how many reaches have you been getting, which is how many people have actually spotted what you've said yeah. for 1.5 seconds. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's a reach. Mm. And then they might, but then you also know because then they're talking to you. So how much? Right. So how much that feedback engage, mechanism. You know, yeah. and then you're, and so you're actually, you, you, you're on, an, and we have to, when we run our campaigns, you have to, be really careful to monitor that because you keep people abusing each other and mm. swearing and so on, being defamatory, and you've got to clean that out. Mm. So you actually know that you're getting that it's genuine traffic. Yep, and that's interesting because the when you paid for a television advertisement, you would be spending lots more money, but you wouldn't have that feedback mechanism to say how many people you're actually reaching. Well, I, I used to be a, a retailer and uh, in suburban shopping centres, and I retail shops, and so we'd do uh, letterbox drops and so forth. But you don't get a feedback from a letterbox drop, yeah. right? You don't know how many are coming in as a result. Yeah. Whereas the social media, you've, you've, you build a community and yeah. you talk, and I used to have video libraries, mm. and we would, if in, those, if in those days, we would have been able to talk about, well, there's this video and there's that one, and what do you reckon about this? And people could have to... Con and, and you knew that you were, would be engaging directly with people. It was like having people walk into your shop physically and being yeah. able to talk about it. So the power of this, for the bucks that you spend... Yeah, massive. Huge. Yep. And you, and you, so it's it's really very, very effective. Yeah. So, so it's not just self-employed Australia. You've got a whole bunch of juggernauts behind you, whether we name them or not. There's a big movement happening. Uh, no one wants to be named. It's fine. <laughs> so over the next number of months leading up to the 2022 election... Right, so is... our, our, our focus at the moment is 
we uh, have got a, a second ad that's being launched tomorrow. Yay. And uh, that's being run in parallel with what we loosely call our first legal brief that we're going to deliver to WorkSafe. So what happens is that people don't understand the work work uh, WorkSafe Act, mm. understandably so. Mm. You know, it's a pretty vague sort of thing. So I've got OHS lawyers. We know the ex- exact provisions of the Act. I've got a research team, um, a small research team that's come together, people we've never met before and all come in. Awesome people, absolutely awesome. There are deep dives going into all the cape material, stuff that's appearing, et cetera, et cetera. We've gone in deep dives into the WHO documentation. Uh, uh, This particular one, we're releasing a document from uh, uh, Hong Kong uh, in 2007 on how to run a hotel quarantine. Uh, As evidence. As evidence. There's no excuse for the Andrews government. Here's the document. It's very, very detailed. Yeah. So we've got these awesome people doing this research, like really, you know, ex-detectives and stuff. And they say, hey, have a look at this. And we're going, wow. So basically right. they're going for negligence. Well, that's what it is. So, pre- so what, what we need to do is the people of Victoria, Australia, need to understand here was the behaviour or the non-behaviour. Here are the provisions of the Act. Mm. This is this provision. This is how this behaviour and non means that they should be prosecuted. Yep. Right? Yep. And you know what you need to do? You need to check the brake lines on your car, right? <laughs> you need to do a whole a bit more cautious. Yeah. Look, uh, Ken, have we missed anything? Is that... No, well, that's what's happening tomorrow. So, the, so what will happen is we're planning to release uh, around, uh, deliver around 30 of these legal briefs. We're mm-hmm. calling them legal briefs all through 2021. Mm-hmm. You don't shift people's view of this being a safe government overnight. Mm, It's a matter of putting evidence in front of people and people will make their own choices. And we think that the evidence is completely clear that this is an unsafe government, that they must be be prosecuted. And and if they're not prosecuted and prosecuted properly, not Mm. just just a wimpy prosecution. Not a slap on the back uh, of the hand. that means that we have a corrupt state mm. and we have a very, very serious problem because it's not just with the government itself, but mm. it, then you start to have to question the judicial system. Yep. So we're hopeful, so we're in the business of saying this is what needs to be done. We're putting the facts on the table. Well, thank you for coming in, Ken, here, but thank you for fighting the fight. I know you've been doing it for decades, long before I even realised there was a fight to be had, but I love the fact <laughs> you're giving us a, a way to uh, fight back that's not just standing outside Parliament House screaming and being capsicum sprayed. Mm. So thank you for taking the fight. And if people want to support Self-Employed Australia, you can go to their website, Google Self-Employed Australia. They run completely off uh, donations, I hear. So it's a good way to support them. And to watch these campaigns, just put into Google, Never Doubt Dan. First one's Never Doubt Dan. The one being launched tomorrow is Not Above the Law. Not above the law. And then once you find the YouTube channel, we can just subscribe to the YouTube channel. All right. Thanks for coming in, Ken. Thank you. Thanks, man. Good. Oh, I can't wait to see this in your head. <laughs> How would you feel if you found out that a hero firefighter actually started the fires he then put out? Labor's hotel quarantine outbreak led to 800 deaths. The outbreak wasn't just bad luck. It was a man-made catastrophe. One man says he was in charge of those two workplaces. His failures were fatal. Why did he choose to use private security? And why did he give the security work to firms endorsed by union bosses at Trades Hall? Was it bad luck or corruption that killed 800 people and led to the lockup of 6.4 million Victorians for months? 
Remember, remember, July till November. And where is WorkSafe? Why aren't they investigating these workplace deaths? Surely WorkSafe isn't being corrupted too. Ken Phillips, very good guy, and uh, just happened off camera. Turns out that that Toblerone wasn't a present for me at all. Uh, Josh, it was. Josh I knew you'd it reject it. He said he's he knew I would reject it and he'd take it home anyway. So what is that's not a real gift. That's a present for you for gift. me. Uh, Andrew Cooper is the founder and president of Liberty Works. He's also launching uh, federal action this week to invalidate Greg Hunt's reliance on the Biosecurity Act. So I'm looking at the camera a lot today. Not yeah. Uh, he, he's trying to say that um, Greg Hunt is trying to use powers in the Biosecurity Act that don't exist. Anyway, mm. point is there's, there's, there's legal actions going on around the place against uh, lockdowns and so on. Yeah, I was confused at using the Biosecurity Act as well. Why? It seemed strange that they would use it for... That's how they should use it, honestly, rather than these state of emergency things. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. All right, first of all, are we surprised, Josh, that China has banned thermal coal imports? Are you joking? <laughs> of course I'm not surprised. It's 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 a big deal. Look, uh, people read that headline in the paper and they think whatever. It, it is, it's a big hit on our way of life. Yeah, industry. it's a big hit. But, I mean, anyone who's done any research into China knows that they have massive stockpiles <clears throat> in country of all of these things, iron ore, coal, everything. Oh, so they can play the game for yeah, a while. Yeah, they can play the game for a long while. For months. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Greg Hunt is not Greg Hunt. Uh, I think Simon Birmingham. Someone is taking him with a complaint to the World Trade Organization. Yeah, that. Good luck with that. It's Be like it's like going to the teacher over something that happened in the playground. Does the teacher really care? No, they just want peace. You think that's what's gonna? I, I I don't look. I don't really see the world. I don't see China playing the game as if they're really scared of anything that's an authority. Well, they are the authority, aren't they? There, there are some suggestions to uh, use our iron ore exports as a retaliatory weapon because they don't get iron ore anywhere else. Yeah, but like I said, they have tons of iron ore. Like, you know, five years ago, they had iron ore sitting in mountains at the ports, just in not China. moving anywhere. In China? In China. I didn't know that. So hmm. they have tons... They Like... I know, figurative, you say tons, but in iron I ore, it's actually literal. <laughs> they have tons and tons and tons of iron ore. They, I mean, they've been importing more than they use annually Why? for de Why? two decades Why at least. Why do that? I suppose Cheap. because they saw cornering the market of materials was a, a leverage point that they're now using against Australia. Okay. I mean, there was, a, there was a point, I can't remember what year... It was definitely before Trump, but um, China gave a little bit of an ultimatum to Australia, either choose America or choose oh, us. Yeah. They do this all the time. So look, this is the, the second page I've given you there. This is an example from the Global Times. This is the main page. So as I've said before, uh, Chinese um, government has a long hand into their, especially their media. The Global Times is basically the mouthpiece of the Chinese Communist Party. Mm. And when your Chinese friends send you a bunch of articles proving how America's the devil, this is where it's coming from. Yeah. It's coming from the Global Times. Look, this is interesting because the Global Times are actually conflicting with the CCP at the moment on the Chinese spy issue. So people are saying, look, 
there are Chinese spies everywhere. We've got um, evidence has come out now that they're in the highest forms of, of corporates all around the world. Is it established that they're spies or is there just a loose connection and people are jumping to spy? comes on different different levels. So some of them are CCP party members, which yeah. is pretty low. You're just a member of the Liberal Party or the CCP. Some of them are actual informants. Okay. And the problem is how high does it go? Because there's no problem having a, a CCP informant, I don't know, at the milk bar. At the milk bar. Who cares? But when they're up high in Biden's administration or whatever. But interestingly, the, the Global Times who pushed the CCP ideas, look, you can an example of this, you can see some of these headlines. Mm. Australia WTO suit, which we just talked about, purely political, uh, anti-China incitement by Western values based on hopeless case. Radical Aussie MP six selfish gains by playing Taiwan card. It's very, 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 very loaded type stuff. Mm. But what I found was interesting, what I want to talk to you about, was the CCP came out and said uh, that, hang on, this is ridiculous about the Chinese spies. But the Global Times came out and said it's everywhere. Mm. What do you think about that? Well, the Chinese government is running two... They usually run the same story yeah. through the Global They're running two different Why? Why do you think stories. that is? I, I'm at, I've got an answer. I'm just seeing if... Uh, you test me first? Yeah. I thought about it and I thought maybe uh, they're try the d- disinformation thing. It, mm. Maybe they, they want to scare everyone mm. that Chinese tentacles are everywhere around the world so that they, they run it through the Global Times. But then... On the world stage, political world stage, the actual CCP government has to say, no, it's baseless. Yeah. It's... Uh, Is that what you see? Pretty much, yeah. Oh, okay. So, in other words, like, you've got two different audiences... So you've got the political upper echelons of power, which is where the Chinese government are talking, and you've got the Global Times that are talking to the below that mm. level of power. And so they're, they're playing games, you know? When, the truth is irrelevant is, is probably more to the point. The truth of it is irrelevant because the threat of something is always scarier than the actual. Yeah, you said that last week. It was very wise. It, it just seemed the only time I've seen the Global Times and the CCP diverge. Yeah. Usually they're lockstep. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I would, I would assume that when, because they are lockstep most of the time, when they diverge, it's for an intentional reason. It has to be intentional. Yeah, totally. You know, ch- speaking of China, they had a thing called the uh, Ministry of Supervision. Minis- they have lots of ministries. They have lots of ministries. But they this- had the Ministry of Truth, didn't they? No. Wasn't it the Ministry really? of Straight Scientific at, Truth or something like straight that? Straight out of 1984. I can't remember. Oh, maybe, maybe I'm completely off and I am thinking of 1984. Well, it's not that far. Okay, let's talk about 1984, right? So you've got the Ministry of Peace, right, in 1984, George Orwell's novel. The Ministry of Peace, you've mm. read it? I, I A long time ago. But right. Yeah. So to remind you, the Ministry of Peace was, all, was the ministry that controlled war. Mm. <laughs> yeah, everything's backwards. Everything's backwards, yeah much like our world today. The Ministry of Love mm. controlled love for the government and they enforced... That's where the thought, the term thought police comes from, the Ministry of Love in George Orwell's 1984. The Ministry of Truth, mm. which is Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, yeah, determines what is what is real or not. Uh, propaganda. Yeah, yeah, propaganda. And the Ministry of Plenty, which rationed food... <laughs> Ministry of Plenty. Remember last week when I talked about, well, I think it was last week, the the four uh, mm. obsessions of the... 
The, uh, the global catastrophes. Yeah, so you see that part of that in uh, the 1984 book. Well, everyone's saying 1984 is coming more and more real. Well, to fling us down to Victoria, mm. it's we have a Department of Fairness now. Yeah. The DHHS is being split into the Department of Health and the Department of Housing, Families and Fairness. Are they still calling one of them the DHHS? No, it's the Department of Health, DOH. Oh, okay. And the Department of Families, Fairness and Housing, FFH. What the hell is Department of Fairness? Because fairness is very subjective. Well, fairness in a worldview context is, is about um, favour. What do you mean by favour? Well, it's like the 1984 thing. Fairness, the opposite of fairness, is favour. So of course. two people here, one of them needs to be favoured by the government in order to achieve an equality of outcome. It, it's happening. Oh, it's been happening. So, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But de- it's, it's, it's Department of Fairness. Yeah, it's it's, it's being, here. It's arrived. It's being institutionalised, I think, okay. is what you mean. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah. It's, this is new. Being institutionalised in this sense is, is um, a new thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're getting very bold. It's, it's, it's like building in concrete. Yes, because we keep accepting it. Uh, here we are. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Uh, ignorance is strength. We have Equality arrived. is favour. I just, I, how do you, Department of Fairness? You've got no right calling a Department of the Government Fairness. That is so ridiculous. Yeah. Um, more news? Well, I'm just smashing through the news. Feel mm. free to stop me. AG resigned yesterday. The, um, the Attorney General, yeah. yeah. Hey, look, I never met her. I never saw her. I never met her, never heard her before. She was obviously so involved I found out that she only got the job in December, November 2018. You've been a very high turnover of the cabinet lately. Yeah, massive. And I think personally, um, it reminds me of the police commissioner role during, um, say, the the early 2000s, the, the first decade of the 2000s. There mm. seemed to be a bit of a high turnover there too. Was it? In, in Victoria? In Victoria. Oh, I didn't care about you there. I lived in New no, South Wales. No, you lived in New South Wales. I barely care about us now. But I think all those positions, they're all influenced by the Premier's office. Mm. So in other words, the of course people were celebrating that she quit, but it's like, but don't you see? Like, Who, Jill? Yeah. Oh, right. Like the government, the Premier will be able to suggest to the... Uh, the whoever appoints the the new position, who they would like. There is another theory, because she hasn't resigned from Parliament, only from Cabinet. Well, she said that she wanted a work-life balance. Yeah, for the lovely kids there. But who one of them was wearing an activist T-shirt? Did you see? Yeah, activism, power, and change. I just thought that was really funny. <laughs> no, but then you got the US. No, England. the Ramones, dude. That's a punk band from New but York. They're appropriating the US. Oh, wow. Well. So she's not a Republican. I, I think it's ironic, yeah. as in, like, the right. Ramones uh, are a punk band, which is against the establishment. Yeah, of course. Okay. Well, uh, the other theory is that uh, she's setting up a run. Oh, no. Really? Why not? Because Palace is a joke. He's never going to... What? Uh, the longer I do, that's, it's good that we're having a break over Christmas because the long, the more I each week I do this show, the more I become me, and the more likely I am of saying something that I've really got to regret. A swear word or something. Something. Yeah. Personally, I don't think she has the uh, the gumption and the chops to to be. Well, who does then? None of them. Do. None. None. On the liberal side too, actually. 
I like. I know less on the liberal side, to be honest. Michael O'Brien's pretty. I'm not a fan. But I get the feeling that anybody appointed under a Labor government, mm. by definition, needs to be a bit of a wobbly jelly. A <laughs> wobbly jelly. Yeah. So no, no, no gumption. In other words, you know what is unprecedented? The fact that so many of his cabinet are falling like flies in and out, in and out, and he hasn't changed. That's unique. I don't know what that means. It's just that oh, he's it's not just, moving. He's a poker face. You know what I mean? He's like bluffing. he's he's. I it's managed. That's that's my perception. That's that's my opinion. That this whole thing is managed. And when I see people quitting, I see basically plates of jelly that never should have been in the position going, well, this isn't no longer cushy. I'm going to have to do some actual work mm. or face some backlash. I'm, I'm gone. I mean, you know, I used to work for a lefty organisation and the mantra that was just drummed into everybody is cover your ass, make sure you cover your ass, send emails, do paper trail, paper trail, just make sure you cover your ass. And seriously, if people look at the situation and say, Dan Andrews' version of covering his ass is throwing someone else under the bus, mm. I'm going. Well, it's not clear that he threw her under the bus no, in this one. Yeah, but yeah. at the same time, um, I think people were calling for the Attorney General to do some things during... She did not perform well no, in she did. No, no. No. And justifying some of these new laws, she didn't, she didn't do well. I can't get over the Department of Fairness. Uh, something else that has come out... Uh, with a code inquiry, so that uh, Ken Phillips just mentioned, mm-hmm. the, the report is going to be handed down on the 21st of December, just yeah. in time for us to all not read it. I would really like to read it because I want to, I want to know how far we've fallen from justice. You know what I mean? You think that inquiry is going to answer that question? The inquiry, where they come down, because I know what needs to happen. You know, there needs what to needs be, to happen? There needs to be an indictment. Someone needs to be held accountable. Just for, like Ken was, yeah, someone Totally. Yeah. So to the degree that they come off that and they make excuses, that's not what an inquiry is supposed to do. They're supposed to make recommendations, but they're also supposed to identify people who um, could be um, prosecuted. <coughs> Dan Andrews. D- and so you- to the degree that they are running in line with 1984, you know, speak or whatever it's called. Mm. Um, Newspeak. Newspeak. They'll, to the degree they do that, you'll know how far you've got to, to go to so, regain So it. you're not hoping that it brings justice. You just want it to see a bellwether test where we are. I really want it to bring justice. I just have it no won't. confidence it that it will. Okay. So, yeah, that is a good point. When this code inquiry comes out, we will see how far down the toilet we've gone. That's because I'm, I'm guessing that they bet that everybody won't read it. I think we. I think it should be like give it to each other as Christmas gifts and stocking fillers to say to everybody in Victoria, this is where we are. This is where we are. I think they'll be smarter than that and it'll come up with some soft criticisms. Which can be handled. Yeah, because no died, crit- man. Yeah, I know, I know. If it was a business... If there's no criticisms, yeah, we're all gonna, it's going to be obvious. When was the last time a politician got uh, jail time? Have they ever? <laughs> I don't think so. Didn't Trump promise that any. Hillary would go to jail? Didn't he come through well, on that promise? Well, that's one of the things I spoke on that in during that episode, is that has he drained the swamp? I don't think he has. You know who... Well, okay, yeah. But you know who actually might deserve to go to jail? Biden's son. Yeah. Hunter Biden. Hey, um, this whole show exists 
and discernible and all this because of one little video I made months really? ago explaining the state of emergency explainer uh, extension. Bill. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think the state of emergency is going to be here forever. That's the... Have I told you about Rome, how it moved from a republic to a, an empire? Wasn't it through like emergency things yeah. that became permanent? So back when it was the Republic, uh, this is before Augustus Caesar, who was the first emperor, um, they would appoint a dictator to deal with a specific problem That's right. because things run better with one mind at the helm. But the dictator then had to hand the power back. The dictator would be uh, in charge for a specific amount of time and then they would hand it back to the Republic. And the word dictator had no uh, negative connotation whatsoever. Mm. Whereas Augustus Caesar or Octavian, which was Caesar's protege, mm. um, he pr he uh, declared a, like a state of emergency mm. because of the problems between him and I think it was Mark Antony, I'm not sure, mm. just the state of un civil unrest after after the events of Caesar's murder and stuff like that. So he declared a state of emergency, he appointed himself as a dictator, and he never rescinded the emergency. And that's how you get 300 years, 300 plus years of Roman emperors. 300 years. Yeah, so people, not just Dan, yeah. but, you After know, him. Dan yeah. the 17th. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Well, uh, this was uh, came out this week in the Payak Inquiry. Great inquiry. David Limbrick, who's on... I'm interviewing him next Monday. Oh, good stuff. I don't know what I should ask him. I have a question I want you to ask him. What? I would like to know what are the boundaries of what he'll fight for. Oh. So he's libertarian. He's fighting for yep. rights. Yeah. Whose rights, and when you've got a situation like, for instance, the Forced Conversion Act, mm. where does he come down on that issue? And and what's his reason? Or does he just not touch it because it's not, not in, politically in his bound, his, in his purview? I will ask him that. Well, he's been he's been asking uh, questions of of the AG and of uh, Sutton, and uh, turns out Sutton has admitted yes, not that Sutton has this. Or, this power, because the Premier has to declare the state of emergency. But mm. Sutton said, yeah, the state of emergency has to remain indefinitely because have to run hotel quarantine under that. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see that. What? It'll happen. I know it'll happen. We'll extend it. In March, it runs out. Unlike Caesar, ours sunsets every whatever. How can we do something to at least let the government know that we don't want it extended. Oh, come on. We came so close last time. One vote or whatever it was. Two votes. We came... So Look, I think we'll get it through. I think we'll actually stop it. I hope so. Because we'll raise hell. And you know what? We're will, not... will people be as passionate now that they, <coughs> they feel a little freer? Look, the, the thing is, you don't need the state of emergency unless you want to go back into lockdown number three in April. Which because, is exactly, because what are the reasons for a state of emergency? Any reason that was given to initiate a state of emergency, emergency has long gone now. Except for hotel quarantine. But, but no, that is, that's what I'm saying. The hotel quarantine is not a public risk in the sense of yes. it being yes. a government responsibility. Yeah, you can, well, this is the thing. The, the, the other, part, other pollies are saying, no, 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 including David Limerick, 
create legislation for the uh, hotel quarantine. Yeah. But it doesn't give police no no knock, uh, no yeah, warrant power. See, that's what, that, that, that's what they want. They want the blank check. They want the blank check. And this is what happened last time. They said, we're only going to use it as, as little as we need. So we gave it to him. He spent it the next, I think it was two days after, bang, hard lockdown. So yep. we cannot allow this happening in. You can have your stupid hotel, you can have your hotel quarantine, all right, Dan? But you can't maintain your blank check in March. We've got to fight that. You know what? I really wonder if everybody in Victoria has realised and just makes excuses, but has realised that Dan has pretty much lied the whole time. I'm wondering even if the people who stand with Dan, it's not that they don't see that he lied. They say he's doing his best. He, he yeah, had to they, they would tap. have to. They would Justify. have to say that um, morality is dictated by circumstance and therefore it's okay that he's not telling you the truth all right so protesting is about to become via permit only yep now the way this works everyone is in i looked at the laws in all the different states pretty much new south wales has the best best the, what do you mean uh the most free form of protest everywhere else you do need a permit from the police currently but the police are not able to deny a permit See, this is the way... What does that mean? I need no, to ask your permission, but you're not allowed no, you're to not, you're deny. No, you're not asking for permission. So some states call it notification of gathering. Oh, okay, yeah. fair enough. So you're not allowed to do an impromptu hidden protest. Now, you could argue whether that's right or wrong, but the, the whole point is a police force cannot stop a protest. <laughs> that's funny. Like, it's like saying, hey, you can't... You, your army can't yeah. attack us yeah. unless you first tell us where you're going to attack. I, I get it, though. They want to make sure that everyone's safe. It's blah, about blah, blah. order. It's about order. Yeah. But they can't actually say no unless they go to court and get a court order to stop the protest. But that's theoretically going to... Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's almost like an irrelevant conversation. I, I don't mind it because you still have your protest. You just got to notify yeah. them four days in advance. Like, I agree with... But people, it's like the whole gun control issue. It's like the only people that are not going to give up their guns are criminals. I know that's you know what I, I mean? know that's true. And look, but I'm talking about existing laws that I approve of. Yeah. What we're talking about now is changing, which I disagree with completely. They're talking about you can't protest unless you get our approval, which is yeah. different. It's not a notification. Dan kept on saying that protest is important. All of that. I don't no, think it it's is. not. I mean, his like, actions are betraying his. Well, record. his actions are showing that his version of morality is situational. Yeah, his worldview. He'll is, say uh, whatever he needs to say. Yeah. In order to deal with the issue at hand. You, this is. I had such high hopes for Shane Patton, the current chief commissioner of police. To be honest, if he seems really militant. Yes, but he said. To, so internal context of getting further and further towards Vicpol, he said that he would have smashed down on BLM just like he smashed down on all their protests. So I thought at least you're being consistent. You're going to smash yeah, on everyone. Okay, I right? agree. But, but but you know, wasn't Stalin pretty consistent? No, I agree. Okay, so it could be bad. But what I'm saying is the main criticism that central Victoria, like centrist Victorians, have is. Why was BLM allowed yeah. to go ahead, yep. 10,000 people, and why is no other protest allowed to go ahead? They were reacting against the perception of favouritism. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Inconsistency. Hypocrisy. 
at least if Shane Patton was going to be hard on so, it all. So, you know, basically, if he punches babies as well as adults, everything's fine. Look, I'm not saying... I think we should be able to protest any time. Yeah, I agree. Right? But I'm just saying, at least I thought he was halfway okay that he was consistent. I think we need to determine who is a, a threat and on what grounds and who is not a threat and on what grounds. And someone from Victoria, a resident of Victoria, a citizen of Victoria, who is protesting about the freedoms that have been taken away, their rights that have been limited without due argument, is not a threat and should not be treated um, in military tactics. Of course. Whereas Black Lives Matter, or maybe let's not use that as an example because I don't know enough about it, but someone who's an organised group that you can... You can justify uh, is completely organised and, and this is a more like a military campaign, then I can understand having the heavy hand. But in the protests that happened during the lockdown where people, people from their homes were coming... To buy fruit? Exactly. So in other words, this was not a military organised sort of uh, endeavour. This were people angry because they were being mistreated. Mm -hmm. And so their, the police response was to mistreat them further. That's just ridiculous in my, in my view. Look, Painting everybody with the same brush or calling everybody by the same name, I, d I, don't, I don't agree. Well, I was just pleased to hear internally that Shane Patton was saying something different. Yeah. And, he, and he was being consistent and he said he didn't like the Michelin men going into the QVM. Mm -hmm. But this week he contradicts himself. And this, this means he'll probably never interview with me now. But he uh, says privately one thing, but he's come out public this week and said the reason the BLM protest didn't go ahead was for two things. One, there were a lot of emotion. Yeah. And two, there likely would have been violence if yeah, they see, didn't allow it. That, that whole thing, it's like, it's like, hey, if you fight, we'll let you go. That's what I mean. It's ridiculous. But it does prove the point we've been saying all along. The people that protested because of the lockdowns, they didn't... They didn't want to fight. See, the, 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 the people who uh, protest and are looking for a fight, they're the ones that you shouldn't allow. Yeah. It's just backwards. I'm, I'm pleased with Sorry, that. Sorry, I'm a bit passionate about this. That's all right. I'm pleased that this hypocrisy came out from Shane Patton because it, it does prove the point, which is they can't stop a protest. Yeah. They can't. It's just numbers. Yeah. If you want to protest and get loud... In fact, the messaging here is so bad. The messaging you know, is yeah. if you're violent, yep. you can do whatever the hell you want. Yep. If you... If, yeah, if you're... A t I won't use the buzzword because we could have someone mm. come through the door. But if you want to use that tactic, mm. then we're going to let you. Mm. Ridiculous. Absolutely. Ridiculous. It's like saying, hey, um, if you're a car driving along the street at pedestrians, the pedestrians should just move out of the way. It's, a, it's exactly what he's saying. Now, this is disgusting because it's not good for the centrist Australians. It's not good for the right-wingers who want to protest. It's not good for the left-wingers who want to protest. It's not good for the stand with Danners. The whole thing is a yeah. dog's breakfast. This is a yeah. terrible way to Because there have been organisations in Victoria that have militarised um, protesting. Yeah. So protesting, you know, has a history that goes back as far as, you know, um, the French Revolution, mm. um, further even. But ultimately, protesting is about getting people who typically feel unheard 
to be heard. Mm. That's what a protest is in, in its essence. But it's been moved to the left to be a political tank so that it can take pot shots at established positions in government. And that, that it's been militarised and the rest of us, regular citizens, mm. suffer because some groups have militarised protesting. It shouldn't be that. It should be, just a, should be a voice. This is, this is why this is a gift. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'll read from Katie Burgess. The true power of the people is more powerful than the people in power. There's a lot of P's in that sentence. Yeah, there's a lot, isn't there? Anyway, um, I do you know what I drink? Peas? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, I don't, I don't drink. I can't do that with my glass. <laughs> so, look, and can I point out, getting permission from your government to protest. Your it's, government, you're protesting the government. It doesn't <coughs> make sense. It's like going to the parents and saying, can I have a party on Saturday night when you go out? Oh, it's worse than that. You're protesting against the very thing. That, yeah. the, oh, my goodness. That's, that's the point of a protest. That's the whole sort of the, the double talk of which, you know, politicians find themselves and legislators find themselves having to speak in. Mm. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. And, and, like, I just want people to be able to speak and feel heard because then... They, the, the chances of them radicalising and going to violence is going to be less. Surely they know that and they would let people speak, but no, they, they keep putting these things in the way. Uh, I, look, at the end of the day, my invitation still stands. Anyone who wants to come and interview and have a fair, fair go, I'll hear them out. I'm not going to shoot them down. Uh, I just feel like no one's going to come on now. But it's not my fault. They are, they are being hypocritical, Victoria Police. Uh, I'm calling them out. I want to separate the individual from the organisation because the organisation has... about a, the head of the organisation. Yeah, I know, but the head is, is politically bound to, to toe the line, I suppose. And I want to talk about, you know, I want to recognise that individual police people have their own ideas of how the world works and all oh, that sort yeah. of stuff. Oh, yeah. I talk to a lot behind the scenes oh, yeah. in real life. and No, they're great. No, no, all I'm saying is that I, I'm giving the people inside information that I've been receiving inside news from Shane Patton and, and, and people around him, I won't name, uh, but I could, who are saying one thing mm. internally and then publicly I'm seeing a hypocritical response, the opposite. So they're lying to me behind the scenes and some of these distinguished people that I'm meeting with or they're lying to all of us. Either way, they're lying. Yeah, lying seems to be the 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 modus operandi at the at the at this at the, at this time in history. All right. So the other thing, hypocrisy. Australia Day, cancelled. How's that hypocritical? No. Oh, okay. It's about to get hypocritical. So first of all, let's watch a quick clip with uh, Paul Murray and Michael Kroger. It it pains me that it's all the right wing who are making sense right now. And I've got to play another right-wing clip. But anyway, my, let's just have liberals everywhere, liberals everywhere. you just got to go where the truth is going. And At the moment, the liberals have it. Don't, yeah. So Michael Kroger and Paul Murray talking to us about Australia Day cancelled. Michael Kroger is in Melbourne, in Brisbane right now, is James McGrath, and here in the Man Cave is Liz Stora. Michael, I'll start with you, but let's talk about Victoria, because old mate Chairman Dan, the cover of COVID, it has taken oh so much. But while crowds can meet for 
The Boxing Day test on all five days. Crowds cannot meet for Australia Day. And surprise, surprise, he has now cancelled an Australia Day parade in oh-so-woke Melbourne. What a, dis- what a disgraceful farce. Um, uh, yeah, 30,000 people had that demonstration, by the way, and he, he just let it run on. He took no action against it. He just said, oh, I prefer them not to demonstrate. But they just ignored him and carried on anyway. I think there were three, three people arrested. They were probably off, as usual, down here in Victoria. But cancelling Australia Day, uh, no, what he's doing, mate, this is, this is the socialist left of the Labor Party opposing Australia Day uh, and using the cover of, of COVID, as you've said, to, you know, denigrate, downplay, uh, delegitimise uh, Australia Day, and it probably won't come back. And when you look at the celebration, when you look at those great events in Australia, these people on the left, they oppose Australia Day. Uh, they, of course, oppose the Queen's birthday. They make almost no contribution to Anzac Day, particularly the Greens. So these great national days of celebration, the woke left basically oppose them all, delegitimise them all. They don't celebrate Christmas in most cases, for reasons we know. This is just the way the left um, tries to dumb down and oppose everything that's been built in this country off the backs of great men and women who have built this magnificent country here. And these people just try as best they can to run everything down and delegitimise it. And Andrews is near the top of the list these days, mate. It's a disgrace. Now, Josh, this is where the hypocrisy comes in. Australia Day Parade cancelled. But as, as Kroger said, uh, the left have been trying to do this forever. Yeah. Australia, move the date, whatever. But the hypocrisy is that a few days earlier on the Boxing Day uh, test match, I think it is. I'm, I'm not a big sports person. But the MCG is going to house 30,000 people on Boxing Day. Mm-hmm. But Australia Day is cancelled on the 26th. How does that make sense? You know why he said it's been cancelled? For safety, for COVID. But this is okay. Yeah, I su- you see that in Europe with the soccer, don't you? That if hypocrisy. Yeah, if people are like enclosed, somehow that's safer than if people are just freewheeling on the streets. We should rename this whole episode the hypocrisy. Look, it does Victoria. a lot of things don't make sense, really. And to be honest with you, I think it 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 is highly suspicious that they've come down on Australia Day. Possibly because Australia Day is more likely to have some sort of political demonstration. Hmm. And maybe that's what they're going for, just to have no civil unrest that they need to deal with. Maybe gathering around a cause like at a sporting event's okay. Maybe having parades and street where you said, you know, it's a bit less controllable out in the open. Maybe they 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 haven't cancelled any of the Chinese New Year stuff. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe uh, they, in fact, approved Chinese New Year parade to go ahead. Yeah, that which is in February. That's what. What are they doing about New Year's? I think this year. What do you mean? Normally, there's a big fireworks thing, and everybody comes out for it. I think you can basically now you can take a punt and say, is it a traditional Western value? Well, then it's gone. Or is it a progressive value? Then it stays. Yeah. Yeah, thank the you for Chinese, us. The Chinese uh, New Year thing does sort of give it a, a flavour. It's the same thing. Mm. Chinese New Year parade with our dragon dances and, and Australia Day parade, but I'm allowed to have a Chinese New Year parade? Oh, I'm going back to New South Wales. Really? I met with someone this week. A doc- really? A doctor, in fact. Really? Yeah. I was saying really all the time. He's going to flee back to New South Wales. Really? I really honestly think 
New South Wales is not far enough. <laughs> Where are you going to go? Have Texas? you read some of the some of the bills? Have a notice of all the bills that are getting passed through really quickly towards the end of the year. Mm. And um, a lot of bills, they're introducing this whole idea of their operant even outside of Victoria. Yeah. Yeah. That's... That's scary. Did I swear on the show last week saying that's extra jurisdictional BS? You might have. I think I swore on the show. Uh, yes, that's that's ridiculous. Uh, go to law school for maybe two weeks. Yeah, imagine if they said no one's allowed to go to Thailand to get a boob job. Because Yeah. You know? Because you're bound... By, oh, it's a joke. Uh, look, at least... I do get worried sometimes that we, we can be a bit heavy in our content. But then I saw this week wall-to-wall media coverage in 7, 9, 10, Project All That. You know what they're talking about? I don't watch the news. Uh, well, we're doing all this and I'm scared we're too heavy. No, this is actually really good because they're talking about lobsters all week. Lobster, lobster, lobster. You sent me this in email and I looked Did it I? up and I thought, what has this got to do with anything? But this isn't just one article. This is everywhere, every day. I lobsters, know. lobsters. $20. Yeah, which is great. I haven't been able to find any. I'd love some $20 lobster. At my local Woolies doesn't have it. But do look. you know how to cook lobster? But I noticed that Coles and Safeway are doing it, or Woolworths, yeah. as if what happened to IGA? What do you mean? Like, it's, it's, it's almost there's only two retailers in all of Australia. Oh, right. Look, I think it'll be cheap everywhere because it's about exports to China being banned. Uh, lobster. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so we have oversupply in our market. Oh, that could be really good for the consumer. It is. It's twenty dollars. I know twenty dollars lobsters, but broaden that to other things as well. We have so much seafood in Victoria available in Victorian oceans, and we don't consume it. Hmm. In average, I love seafood. I love fresh seafood. I think it's amazing. Um, Richard made a very good point at our live event where he said, the f- "We have some of the best fisheries in here in Victoria." Yeah, but in, in order for exported. us. Yeah, but in order for us to um, eat our local fish, they have to swim to New Zealand first, yeah. get caught, and then come over on an ice ice boat to us. Uh, so yeah, look, the the point here though is that if you look at all the major news outlets this week, they've all been ragging on about this lobster deal, and I just realised maybe I shouldn't be so sad that we're seemingly heavy. Mm. We're actually tackling news items that people need to know about. Yeah. Because, I mean, this is like, this is probably uh, more like the Global Times in that it's managed news to manage a population. Talking about lobster? Yeah, like, oh, lobster. You're not really thinking about lockdown. Or the code inquiry. Or the code inquiry. I'm not sure it's planned and coordinated. Like, let's distract them from the code inquiry. Do you know how many... Like, I looked up how many were talking about half-priced lobster. Everywhere. It's, it's Everywhere. all over the place. But it's know, almost across the board. I know people who work in these organisations from news, Daily Telly, ABC, Then there's Sky. some incestuous way they get their news then. Well, I think there is a structural problem, yeah. systemic problem, whether that be chasing clips I or I agree, whatever. but that's why the, the Kevin Rudd sort of uh, lobbying for a breakup of News Corp is such a joke. Because it's not like the other side isn't undiverse. Mm. Anyway, I'm trying to find some lobsters. Well, I just bought you chocolate. <sighs> Which you took back. It's because anyway. I know you didn't want it. Uh, speaking of, of media and where to get good media, uh, Josh, remember this. 
One of the favourite jobs I ever had was touring around regional Australia visiting farms. I got to go some, to some great places like Manjimup in regional Western Australia where I saw avocado farms where you get an unlimited supply of snacks while you're on site. I went to some interesting places like wineries. Wineries, as the city slicker, I always found it fascinating to see these beautiful luscious grapes in what can be quite a dry and dusty environment. But the farmers that I was with were always more interested and in fact excited about these brown looking things here. Uh, what am I gonna do with that? I can't eat that, it's not even very pretty. But the farmers knew something that I didn't. It's not about the fruit, it's about the vine that the fruit is attached to. You see, if this fruit was cut off from the vine, it would be useless, it can't do anything without being attached. So when they saw good fruit, they would admire this brown vine. Wow, look how healthy and great that looks. And I'm thinking, why are you looking at the... When they saw bad fruit, they wouldn't blame the fruit. They would look at the vine again. Why is the vine not nourishing the fruit? So last week, I said to you, you will know a tree by its fruit. Well, we can look at the fruit, but we should also look at where the fruit comes from, the vine. If you think about how you feel after watching The People's Project, we hope that you feel better about your world and about where we're going. And if you look at the way we feel about watching, uh, after watching Channel 7, 9, 10, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, about how you know, coronavirus is going to make your teeth fall out. It seems to me that often they're trying to instill in us, or at least uh, trigger that sense of fear and worry in us. So we'll read their articles and give them the clicks. And so I think the different media sources are coming from very different places. They're, they're feeding off a different vine. And why, I mean, why do you think I talked about Horatio Spafford a couple of weeks ago and how his daughters were lost to a shipwreck and yet he was able to say, it is well with my soul? It's because I hope that in, in amongst the storms of 2020, we might be able to find some sense of peace. Why do you think I talked about Helen Keller, who was completely blind, completely deaf, and yet she was a visionary from the 20th century? And uh, it's because I hope that even though we can't see what's going to come up ahead, that we would be able to find some vision for our future and what we want to see. Why do you think I talked about elephants and uh, the, the ability for little ropes to, to hold an elephant in? It's because I think there's a lot of big scary things in the world at the moment making a lot of noise, but we need to remember that sometimes those big elephants are, are controlled simply by the real enemies around their, around their feet, the little ropes, and that is something we can attack. And so I, I've always hoped that uh, the vine you feed off with things like the People's Project, you'd end up feeling uh, better. The fruit of our worlds would be better. So if you think about the way we react to the people around us, uh, maybe sometimes when if, if, if I'm angry, I think, well, perhaps uh, I'm attached to a vine. I'm consuming something that's got a bit too much hate in it. Uh, and there's some groups that I've had to unfollow because of that. Uh, sometimes if we were, we're feeling a bit fearful, then I look at, well, Maybe the vine I'm attached to here, what I'm consuming is feeding me fear like Channel 7, 9 and 10 with their news programs. And so perhaps making the fruit of our lives good is, is, is a noble goal, but how to get there is to not look at the fruit. Maybe we need to look at the vines that we're feeding off, that we're attached to. Often I think that determines the quality of our fruit more than the actual fruit. And you know what's cool about this? You never see these grapes trying really hard to be ju juicy and succulent. All they're doing is hanging out attached to the vine. That's their only job. And effortlessly, they find themselves 
growing, succulent, beautiful, and juicy. And so in the same way, I think we can do that too. Rather than trying to grow fruit in our lives, the way we respond to people in our family and friends, we can simply focus on the vine that we are connected into, making sure that it's a good vine and making sure that we're staying connected so that we find ourselves effortlessly producing fruit in our lives that nourishes not only us, but the people around us. How about we wrap up the year? So let's wrap up 2020. All right. Rubbish. Right. Predictions for 2021. I think the pressure will stay on. Number one, the pressure will stay on the public from the media and that they'll look for another crisis during the summer. Probably fires will probably be the biggest category. The media will look for a crisis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To keep the pressure on until you crack and then uh, April or, or lockdown three. autumn next year. Wave three comes back the coronavirus and I think the whole purpose is to get you to break down because where the world seems to be moving with the industrial revolution the fourth industrial revolution if you know which what that is, is a concept from Klaus Schwab the author of the great reset work is about people staying home because people don't drive cars when they're staying home look you'll own nothing and you'll be happy yeah happy birthday woohoo all right my predictions are very similar uh, you know Spanish flu had three waves. Three waves? Yep. Goodbye. Yep. Every pandemic seems to have three waves I read this week. And the second wave is always the biggest. Okay, fair enough. Never the first and never the third. Maybe it Funny. follows a, uh, a bull or bear cycle. It's like that, yeah. yeah. They had some reasons in there about uh, the second wave. Anyway, I won't go into them. But anyway, there's definitely third wave of coronavirus coming and uh, state of emergency is going to be extended, obviously, unless we stop it. And uh, as you say, you know, at autumn, you know, we're going to be hit with some of that. Mm. I'd be very interested to see which way we go, because in the US, mm. we've got sheriff counties refusing to enforce Newsom's lockdown orders in L.A. We've got a bunch of restaurant owners and hotel owners over there who are saying and gym owners saying, you going to pay my bills? No, I'm yeah. One gym has millions of dollars of fines. Yeah, I know. Just keep going. So, uh, look, I don't know which way it was going to go. I used to do a doomsday clock and it feels like it got stuck at 11.30, never quite reached midday, and it's just still stuck there. Mm. And Gideon Rosner's the same sort of thing. We were all predicting that uh, we, people would rise up in their freedoms and we didn't. It was very strange. And uh, I, I'm not sure which way we're going to go next year. Well, what about reflections, like a, a little injection of hope? Well, let's, um, I chatted to Damien Curry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this is the PR crisis management expert. Let's get his wrap up of, of the year and his predictions for 21. Yeah. And then we'll um, come back and try and be a bit more happy. Okay. Damien Curry, PR and crisis management expert. It is a pleasure to have you as the final guest on our show for season two. Oh, I didn't know I was the final guest. That's exciting. The final guest. Ominous. The <laughs> well, that's the whole point. It's been an ominous year and potentially an ominous 2021. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on uh, a quick five-minute summary of 2020 and your thoughts for next year, because what people may not realize is that your excellent podcast, mainly because I was on the last episode you did, uh, is called The Other Side Australia. And, uh, you know, you've got a history in journalism and your podcast reflects that quality, the way you're able to distill uh, the news into a digestible way from a very sensible centrist perspective. So would love for you to round out our show with, with that summary of 2020. 
Yeah, well, look, I look back in 2020 um, and I, it's hard for me. To, it was a blur, wasn't it? I mean, for all of us. Oh. And it's hard to separate it from my personal experience. So uh, maybe I'll just look at it from that perspective and share what I've noticed because I feel like an alien that's sort of landed back in a country that I once knew that isn't the country that I once knew. And it's been really weird. Um, I, I've been in Asia for 20 years uh, working in PR and communications, um, mainly in Hong Kong. Came back to Australia because of COVID with my family. Um, and I kind of knew the place had changed, but it's just been extraordinary year in terms of the the attack on liberty. And I just think we need to kind of, what's weird is there's no pushback. So I think what we've seen this year is a year in which Australia has been under, Australia's civil liberties and human rights have been more or less under attack by big state, big government, which I'm obviously coming from Asia. I'm not exactly fond of government. I'm very wary of government. But because Australia's kind of like a bubble and we've all, we, we've never known uh, governmental tyranny. We've never known government exceeding its power. We've never known what it feels like to live under a state like China. And I think living in Asia for all that time, if it changed me in any way, it changed me in that way that I realized I don't trust government anymore. And I don't look to government to solve my problems. I want government out of my life as much as possible. So it's made me a little bit of a libertarian. I, I still identify as a classical liberal, but I, but I probably am leaning towards that. I've always been anti-authoritarian. So, uh, you know, I don't like, I don't want to see government. The good government is government that's invisible. Yes. And that is not, where Australia's gone in the last 20 years. Australia's gone completely the other direction where we now seem to have a culture, the, the biggest change that I've noticed and a lot of other expats would say the same thing, we now have a culture that looks to government to solve everything almost. Um, and we have faith in government and confidence in government and we trust government way too much. And so the thing that I've been dazzled by this year is the behaviour of, uh, of Anastasia Palaszczuk, Mark McGowan, and uh, you know your premier in Victoria, Mr. Andrews, um, and that's been astounding enough. But ten times more astounding than that is the way that Australians have reacted, mm. because I'm pretty sure that when I left this country 20 years ago, it would have been a very different situation. Um, it had these sorts of uh, measures been introduced, and so that's what freaked me out the most about 2020. Um, and I think we're well, going to have a good long think about it. Uh, and where we're going and what we're doing, because we can't just keep saying, oh, everybody who raises this as a question is a right-wing nut job hmm. uh, to the, to, to the uh, I, I refrain, try and refrain from saying the millennials because it's not, it's not a, you know, one monolith thought bubble. But, you know, I just get the feeling that the dominant thinking in the, at least among the intelligentsia of my generation, Generation X, and certainly of, of the millennial generation that live in the inner cities, uh, and that have the microphones and the cameras, um, we tend to be, or our generation tends to, generations tend to be the ones that are sort of saying that anybody who questions government or questions lockdowns or questions climate change or questions anything is some sort of paranoid conspiracy theorist right-wing nut job. And there's not a lot of scope for, for debate or discussion. Well, as uh, in the words of Richard Reardon MP, he said at my event the other night, let it never be said again that Australians are a larrikin rule-breaking bunch of rebels. Ned Kelly is long and gone, dead and buried. We love bowing down to our governments. So let me give you a bit of good news before you give me your 2021 uh, predictions. We'll not I'll take any good news at this point. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> well, uh, hopes for 21, shall we say. Uh, today... 
it came out that the the ombudsman, the human rights um, people down here in Victoria, actually found that the uh, locking up of those towers here in July, where we completely locked them down with with 30 minutes notice, I think it was, people came downstairs to go and buy milk. No, you can't go out. It's, it's the most it's shocking thing I've ever mm. seen. It radicalized me into an SJW. Uh, and they were the poorest of our society. These were government housing. It was found to be a breach of human rights and also found to not be led by any medical health data, but from a simple cabinet meeting a few hours prior. So this is a bombshell that is dropped today on the Andrews That's government. Right. Yes, because then it opens the conversation into masks and a whole bunch of things he's refusing to mm. release data on. So there's some good news from our human rights ombudsman down here. 2021, yeah. what do you reckon? Yeah, I think that's fantastic news. Um, and I hope there's consequences. If there's no consequences, it's not not much good. Um, mm. uh, you know, these politicians and and uh, look, I mean, it's bizarre, isn't it? I mean, I kind of, you know, you, you, you associate human rights, civil liberties, my youth as an anti-authoritarian sort mm. of person uh, growing up in Queensland under the Joe Bjorki-Peterson regime. Yeah. It, you know, I associated the Labor Party with those things. And yes. And, uh, and now they're the, they're the perpetrators of those things. And, um, and now the Liberal Party are the only hope for, for, for freedom, I guess, or for some at least uh, semblance of appreciation of the values of the free market and the values of free people and a free country um, and what that, can, what that means and why it's important. And uh, that's weird. You know, that's just weird to me. I never Do thought you- when I was 20 that, that this would be where we'd be at now. Um, Damien, it's very weird across the board. Everyone's flipping. You've mm. got a whole bunch of centrist, unengaged political business owners who are now extremely political and have gone to that right center right. Yeah. And you've got people yeah. like me who are anti-protest my entire life. Now I'm so protest, it's not funny. So I've become radicalized. Oh my God. There you go. So, <laughs> you know, if you're radicalized, what hope is there for the rest of us? Um <laughs> No, I think, yeah, I think it's just, a, it's a bizarre time and we're living in uh, dangerous times. And, you know, coming from, look, I lived in my two favourite cities in the world. If you ask me, what are your two favourite cities in the world, Damien? I would have said 10 years ago, Melbourne and Hong Kong, yeah. because I've lived in both and worked in both and love them both dearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm from Brisbane. I grew up here. Um, if you said to me, why am I, why my views changed? It's basically because of what I've seen happen to those cities. And it's happened because of this new left-wing, left-wing thinking, the new woke, you know, uh, identity politics-driven, um, you know, neo-Marxist, whatever you want to call it. I mean, there's all these 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 phrases: uh, critical race theory, theory, critical theory, critical gender theory. Um, people who go around looking at the world through the lens of uh, there was a fantastic cartoon. I don't know if you saw it about social scientists and you know that are scientists comes up with a hypothesis and if the hypothesis is wrong, they think, okay, there's something wrong with my hypothesis. It, reality didn't bear it out. So I need to change my hypothesis. If a social scientist gets has a hypothesis and reality doesn't bear yeah. it out, the social scientist says reality needs to change, right? My hypothesis must be right. So the worldview of like, everything's got to be fair. Everything's got to be equal. And we've got to make it all equal and make it all fair. Well, you know, let's, let's just do everything we possibly can to, to, to get there. And that as the, philosophical basis for so many decisions. Now, this would be fine if it was just a bunch of 20-something kids at uni, Mm. but it's the lecturers, it's the professors, Mm. and that's bleeding into the corporate sphere through uh, HR departments, 
And it's it's right through the government. I mean, the, the Victorian, I, I dare to say probably the Queensland government's not too far behind, but the Victorian governmental bureaucracy, not the, not the politicians, the bureaucracy, is just riddled, from what I can tell, with this ideology and this thinking. And, you know, th- this week we had the, the citizen, uh, you know, you, you, if you misgender somebody, uh, you have to, you know, immediately apologise and make sure that you correct the gender and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, really? And taxpayers are paying for that time, you know, uh, that we spend doing that, that stuff. And it always comes wrapped up in just be kind, of just be nice. Of course. Right? And we have to start pushing back. So, so that's that my hope for 2021. Yeah. Push back, push back in 21. 21, we have got to stop being the quiet Australians. If, as you say, we're getting larger in number in the centrists, the sensible centre, whether we're centre left, centre right, whatever, or, or flat in the middle, um, it's, it's, it's incumbent upon us now not to be quiet Australians. It's incumbent upon us to be very, very loud Australians. Whether that means, you know, saying something in your... Uh, in the H- in the meeting at work, where you might get into a little bit of uh, hot water uh, or, or be out of place um, because everybody else is is singing from the song sheet, sh- being shoved down their throat by the HR department, that you might have to just sit there and say, "Well, hang on a minute, I'm actually not comfortable with that." And a good way to do this, by the way, I mean, just to, I mean, I do do communications training, so a good way to do this at work is to turn it around, and ask questions, so you don't put yourself in a position where you're making statements. So you say how do you think some of our more conservative uh, or Christian um, employees or managers or leaders might feel if we, if we sort of, you know, are very aggressive about this particular approach um, to, to perhaps gender identity or whatever, the, whatever it is. Um, how do you think, you know, even though you may not share those conservative views or those conservative values, just saying, are we looking after everybody here? Right. Wow. And I've written that about sounds this like the- a that sounds like a line from the left appealing to a sense of um, compassion and kindness. It's brilliant what you're doing right now. Well, it's not meant to be manipulative. It's meant to be real. I mean, I, and sincere. Yeah. I think we have to do this. I mean, I think we have to say, look, there are people out there who don't agree with us, and mm. this is where it's really gone to. We're in a position of diversity in everything but the thing we should have diversity in, which is thought, thought. ideas. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, the ABC is obsessed with its diversity based on skin color, tone of, I mean, okay, you know, and I, and I know it's complicated, but, you know, to not, to not have, to not ever have anybody criticizing or putting a counterpoint of view in a sensible way and just assuming that everybody accepts critical theory as if it's the truth, um, that's what we've got to start pushing out. So we have to call it out. We have to name it for what it is. It's not the organic, natural growth into a loving, caring, more understanding society. Mm. It's gone beyond that. It's now pushing into the area of enforced speech, enforced thinking, enforced um, ideas. And, and that's what you've got to push back against. We have to start saying, hang on a minute, you know, this is, this is not okay. This, is a, this has an agenda behind it. It's, it's not the way we want to have a society have our society evolve and not everybody's on board with it. Um, so I think it's the year of pushback. It's the year of guts. It's the year of finding, we've got to find out. It's no good saying, oh, I'm going to get bitten or, you know, picked on it on Twitter, or I'm going to get picked on on Facebook or no one's going to like me or, you know, it's, I feel like I'm talking to 12 year olds, but I had to actually give myself this lecture. You know, you, 
you don't need everyone to like you. You need to you know, yeah. stand up on principle um, sometimes. So. Damien, I've got to run. Thank you for bringing your considerable expertise onto the People's Project again. And uh, I, I love your message. Time, time to stand up. And hey, a bit of encouragement for the people out there. I don't think you're as we're as alone as we thought. There are plenty no, of I don't us either. In the yeah. Yeah, I don't think we are either. I think we've just been quiet, too quiet for too long. So let's make this the year where we stop being quiet. Josh, 2020, I, I said earlier it was rubbish, but it was one of my favourite years ever. Really? Yeah. To be honest with you, I agree. And, I mean, I want to leave everybody with, with something to think about because I'm, I'm really happy for some things about this year. And one of them, and the main one, is that, we can't not notice anymore. The, the jig's up, so to speak, and those people uh, who have been trying to wake people up have been given a big bonus from government, and that is the government has woken us all up already. Maybe they, yeah, went too hard too fast. Yeah, and, may, and you know, it doesn't mean that uh, that everybody is going to agree, but we can start having conversations now. You love this whole conversation. Yeah, it's so important. It really is. It really is. Mm. Yeah, so we've seen behind the curtain, the wizard, and we've seen the emperor has no clothes. Mm. You know Not what I mix metaphors. Yes, you know what I'm grateful for? Uh, I, I, I keep on saying I'm new to Melbourne, and I can't say that forever. But it just feels new because I've been on lockdown most of the time. Yeah. I'm grateful for the people of Victoria. I am. Yeah, laugh at me. This sounds I, like, because, oh, let's drink to world peace. What do you mean? No, I mean it. Because I came here for two reasons, the people and the weather. Yeah, okay. I like it cold. Yeah. Even though I'm no longer a big dude, I still like it cold. Yeah, it is hot in, like I've, I've been in Randwick. Summers are pretty hot over there. Yeah, we get reprieves here. It's mm. hot for a couple of days and then it, and the humidity is great down here. Uh, and the people. The people, I visited here a lot for work. Mm. And the people was, there is a, a big difference between the culture of a, a Melbourneite and a Sydney cider and a Melbourneian. And a Melbourneian, not only are they nicer, they're more genuine. And I fell in love with the people. And that's why I moved here. And why I'm thankful for the people of Melbourne is because this year I found my voice. I guess, I don't know if I can speak for you, but you you found your voice in a way. Suddenly you've mm. been thrust into the limelight as well. And that's been... Nice that um, the people of Victoria, I feel welcomed by them, mm. but also I no longer feel alone, just in life. Yeah. Look, I feel like we're all finding our groups and our tribes and we're, um, we're not alone. They're not alone. We're, I'm not alone. You're not alone. I met you. Yeah, I know. And it's not like there was, we haven't known each other for longer, much longer than this show has actually mm. been presenting it. So, you know, what's happening here, it's, it's real. It's, it's real. Yeah, and that's why I'm thankful for the people of Victoria. There has been, I mean, that, that event that we had was just amazing. Look, I, I think those conversations that we have on stage and off stage, yeah. before and after the event, I really think that determines the culture of our city, not the Premier's office. <laughs> <laughs> This might, you just work it in now, don't I'm you? I'm trying to sneak it in as much as I can. Uh, like I know that I know that you're a little bit concerned. You would like to um, have more balance. You know, sometimes mm. you've mentioned that uh, you're too right all the time. We need a little bit more left, just you know for why? the balance, which I agree with. 
okay, agree well, with. The, the why is important though. Yeah, sure. On what it. your why is, well, you said you agree with it. Yeah. Is it the same reason for me, which is I don't want to miss out on something, you know, blind spots. I want to hear from the other side mm. to fill in the blind spots. I think it's basically the same reason. The reason why you need to listen to, like, for instance, uh, someone said to me once, for every one article you read that you agree with, read three that you don't on yeah. the same issue. Yeah. Because you get a better sense yeah. of what you're thinking when someone is able to challenge or cross-examine you. Agree. That's why it is so important not only to talk to people that agree with you, but for every one person that agrees with you, talk to two or three that don't because it keeps your barometer focused. Do you know what made me more anti-authoritarian and more right-wing than anything else? Reading The Great Reset, a leftist diatribe, and, and listening to the podcast. I think it's a good way to test your views and see what comes out the other side. Yeah, recognizing that you're a little bit too radical um, is always an eye-opener because we drift without our knowledge. Mm. And sometimes we drift too far and we need to be brought back. So just talking with people agree with, who agree with you yeah. is really actually isolating. It doesn't build community in the mm. true sense. It builds tribes and it builds tribes in isolation. You know what's hilarious about all of this, though? The right wing are amazing at doing these open conversations and the left wing are terrible. Yeah, they they're do, terrible because they... we want to, we've wanted to do it for so long. Mm. Anyway, uh, People's Project is coming back for season three uh, in, I don't know, January? I'm not sure yet. I haven't got the memo. We haven't uh, signed a contract yet, have we? No. Well, <laughs> you want to get rid of me, don't you? Only partly. No. It's, I, is it I'm too good? <laughs> I make you look bad? Yes, I'm threatened. Oh, you don't even deserve <laughs> this anymore. You took your chocolate back from me twice. All right, have a good Christmas, everybody. See you on the other side. See you later. Oh.